I had just gone and seen The Hateful Eight, um, and now you've seen it. Um, let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, we might get into some spoilers here, spoilers so just, um, I don't know, skip ahead a couple minutes. Um, yeah, we're not going to take too long on this. Yeah, so but essentially, I loved The Hateful Eight. Um, as I said, I didn't get a chance to see it when I won with Johnny Burbank for the 70mm showing which is a bummer um, but you know it was great to just see this movie at all um, saw it on the first and I, I loved it I thought it was fantastic um, you know it, it's definitely Tarantino as most Tarantino you know he 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 knows that people are going to going to see this movie because his name is He's slapped on it, and it's his movie. People right. are seeing this movie because it's him, because it's his eighth movie, and because they they just want more of what he can bring. And you know, I didn't believe disappointed. I thought like, so far it's been my favorite movie of uh, this year so far. Um, you know, we're not that far into this year, but I mean, like, uh, out of all of, like, out of, uh, and so far, out of, like, the few prestige pictures I've seen for the Oscars, uh, you know, um, or these Oscar-worthy movies, this one so far is my favorite. Um, just a really cool, interesting cast of characters, the writing in it is phenomenal, and it's just, it's just a fun ride, and it, it's three hours, but you don't feel that three hours. Right, especially, you especially don't feel it because there's that intermission right in the middle and actually um, did mine didn't get the intermission okay. because I think you could get a film one which is a little bit longer um, yeah. the film one got uh, and the intermission mine okay. that's I, either way still got uh, the overture though which I thought which I thought yeah. was beautifully done I fucking loved it and you know is just one of my favorite composers in film so um and just like just the amount of bloodshed is always really turned up and just like the small cameo appearances are done just right Channing Tatum's role is cut short just perfectly it was amazing it was so funny because um Ann and I went to go watch it and afterwards we were talking about it and she was just like Jane Tatum is in that movie, but like just for a second, just like um, just like in This Is the End, where he's in that movie, but it's just a, like yeah. Hey, his his role is probably a little more bigger than it is in yeah. uh, you know This Is the End. Oh, but, some fuck slave. Yeah, but it's just this like essentially a small and sequential role and once you see him you're like okay he's probably going to be here for the rest of the film because like typically in this kind of in this kind of scenario and in any other movie yeah that character would be a lousy character and he'd be like kind of playing it up and talking his way out of it or something along those lines or like laying down some kind of ultimatum or anything like that no, this doesn't happen because the characters react in the perfect way, in the most honest way you can honestly think. They're, they just, you know, as soon as he, he pops his head out and says, you know, looks over at you know Jennifer Jason Leigh's sister, yeah. and you know says hi or whatever, <laughs> just gets shot right in the back of the head and just goo and brain matter and skull just explode from the back of his head and it's just like this goofy searing mess all over her and she's just freaking out and and she's just like freaked the fuck out it was perfect and it's it's, it's like that alone just was a landmark that really made me love that movie and and just it's 
it's these characters that we've seen in other Tarantino movies. I feel like you know he casts a lot of the same people, um, especially so with someone like Samuel Jackson. Yeah, you can still have Samuel Jackson in the West. Yeah, right? it still works, right? It still works because um, even right before the scene we we're just talking about when he's down in the basement and he throws up one of his guns and he's like, he's got another gun. He's like, I don't have another gun. And he's like, well, you better shit one out because you're like, oh, Oh man, that part was so good. Yeah, I feel like that's just a very Samuel Jackson moment. And the fact that he, like, he looks over while that Walton Goggins looks over at him and he's like, I don't know, he has another gun. And then sure enough, it comes flying out, out from out, flying out from the bottom. And like it's it's kind of it's kind of a mean thing to think about, but like the way Jennifer Jason Lee just gets fucking handled in that movie, because I mean like you wouldn't expect her like if, if she's a known criminal and you know you're being taken in by you know a guy named the hangman he's not going to treat you very nice at all and just the fact that you know like anytime she speaks out or speaks up just like gets cracked in the face she already has a black eye when you first see her in the movie and but, but she still it, does, she, it doesn't, doesn't break her character it doesn't break her at she's all. just as crazy yeah she's still just there and in your face and it's just it's one of the coolest characters ever and just kind of like how smarmy she is too is perfect it was perfect and then just like man and then at the end that whole ending sequence where like it crescendos with Jennifer Lee Jason Lee being hanged um, by Wong Gong's and Samuel Jackson after they've been you know shot up yeah you know because that's that turning point they realize they're not getting out of that situation alive no matter which way they spin it no matter who lives and who dies and they're not getting out of it alive and then and then it ends with, you know, Long Gog is asking for Samuel Jackson's, you know, letter to Link Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And then he reads it and he just like tells him that's a nice touch at the end. And then just crumbles it up and tosses it away, cuts to black. Oh my god, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. So so you had mentioned um, last week um, how Tarantino kind of like his last um, he said his last film, Django. Uh, Django didn't feel Tarantino. Yeah, a lot of people said they didn't. It didn't feel very Tarantino-like because of the editing, right? And we had discussed this last week. Um, do you feel like this is this is definitely more into more a Tarantino, quote unquote, a Tarantino film? Yeah, I mean, like I didn't think that. I mean, I, I kind of felt it in the last one because it felt way too linear with Django, right? Um, but. Uh, I didn't it, like the, the hallmarks of his style the way he does things was still there but this one definitely had everything that he usually does the out of sequence storytelling and uh, breaking everything down into chapters, chapters and I mean like I mean if you look at uh you know, Reservoir Dogs, you know, he, all the chapters are the names of different characters. You know, Mr. Blonde, Mr. White, Mr. Orange, um, uh, Mr. Pink is the very first one. And uh, and then, you know, same with, uh, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction, you know, uh, you know, the whole sequence with John Travolta and, you know, Mia Wallace and then, um, you know, and then Kill Bill. You know, she like it's all broken up between all the you know names on the hit list. And right. This was the same thing. It was um you know the different chapters, 
in, in the movie, and I, I kind of like that touch. I like those. I like those title cards, you know, because it just adds a really nice storytelling element to it. So I guess, as I said, this is the most Tarantino we've ever seen. Tarantino, right? So. I once again just thought it was fantastic. I love it. I thought it was great. I definitely want to watch it again. Um, having missed uh, the first little bit of that first chapter, um, and then a little bit after the you definitely missed the overture. Yeah, and then uh, what part did you come in at again? Um, it was. I don't really remember. Was well, like Samuel Jackson like standing like in front of the stagecoach? Uh, it was a little bit before that, I believe. Okay, uh, and you pretty much caught like, yeah, everything. like, I'm sure, caught, like yeah. everything. You pretty much just missed the old yeah, picture. I appreciate, but I do want to watch it again. You yeah. know, to get that. It sounds weird to get that completionist feeling. Yeah, because like, like I, I've said it too. Like if, like if I miss like ten minutes or more of a movie, I just don't want to watch it. And I'm just gonna wait. I'll wait. But is yeah, Dave Layton. Go see it. Yeah, it's, you're fucking up if you don't see it. It, it is a bloody mess. Yes. Like, and, and I told you, uh, or I said it last week, um, that first half of the movie, nobody's dead. Yeah. There's just all this tension building. And the first just, person, yeah, like, so, so, um, you said you didn't have an intermission. Yeah. Um, so right when Samuel Jackson kills the, uh, kills the old guy, cuts intermission there. Yeah. Which is a great cut. And then I believe when it came back, it was Tarantino being like, okay, so this is what's going on. Yeah, pretty much after Bruce Stern's character gets killed, then you just hear, uh, then it rewinds uh, back to when Channing Tatum and, you know, his crew fucking go into, you know, Manny's haberdashery and, you know, kill everybody. Um, so, you know, it was great. I loved it. Uh, go see it. Edison. Yeah, go check it out. It's it's a it's a fun watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely it is definitely more akin to like a whodunit mystery than a western, yeah. which I really like. But it's not nice expecting a straight western out of this because it's it's yeah, it's a whodunit in a western setting, which exactly. is really nice. We I like, always like love western, western, western settings. Uh, I love westerns, anyways, but. Um, to have that little like that murder mystery element yeah overlapping the whole thing is just that yeah, it was just great um let's see I also saw The Revenant um another three hour movie um this one you kind of felt the length on it though uh Leonardo DiCaprio is just pretty much just acting the, the shit out of this fucking movie every scene just screams like give me my Oscar it's like it's just, it's just like at this point it's just like man you guys need to have should have like owed him one a long ass time ago you know and uh, this one I kind of think it seals the deal for him almost you know um, it's your hope so I mean, I, mean, I, mean I, I feel like it's been I mean like, we can get into all that stuff later we'll, we'll, but, um, we'll get into that uh, next week when we have our Oscar nomination uh, talk um but yeah, it's um, it's it's just intense. I mean, whereas like Hateful Eight kind of builds that, builds a lot of tension. This movie is intense right from the get go. He had like injury to the director, just puts together these interesting battle scenes, um, these eighteen hundreds battle scenes between Native Americans and uh, frontiersmen, and just 
seeing the level of carnage done in a kind of a tasteful, realistic way without it being gratuitous and just like, like crazy. Over it's just like you just experience the chaos it was to kind of live in this time and and you know you just and then you just like see it juxtaposed against this very serene beautiful landscape and uh you know the cinematography is great the um you know the acting all the way through is fantastic Leonardo DiCaprio is great uh Tom Hardy is one of the most you just hate him throughout the entire movie that's how he's like he, you know that you're doing a good job yeah. if you just fucking oh, this motherfucker needs to die yeah um I mean that's the product of a, of a lot of different things writing uh the director's gotta make sure it's shot all correctly but uh half of that work is on the actor's shoulders because you can have the best script in the world but if you don't have the chops to sell it exactly you know and especially since uh the last movie that we really saw uh Hardian was Mad Max. Yeah, in which he didn't really talk that much at all. Right, but he was, quote-unquote, the hero in that movie, right? He was that chaotic... Chaotic good. Yeah. Chaotic good. Um, so, from what you're saying, going from that, uh, where I'm sure people have seen Mad Max by now, uh, and seeing him as that, like, you know, good character... So no way. Uh, good to kind of like this... Also stoic, but also just like this disastrous kind of evil dude, and kind of like selfish, selfish, selfish guy, which drives him to do some fucked up shit throughout the movie. And um, yeah, and like just he's like Tom Hardy's like this chameleon. Like, like I haven't seen anything like this since like Heath Ledger, where he like just kind of absorbs himself in the role and just kind of lets him just become this other person. Yeah. And you can kind of really tell that with the way they use their voice. Because like, if you look back on a bunch of different, uh, you know, Heath Ledger movies, like, 10 Things I Hate About You, and then, you know, you put that up against, like, Brokeback Mountain, you put that up against, you know, his role as a Joker in The Dark Knight. It, it's just it's just like, they sound vastly different, but it's all the same dude, and it's all still, you know, going about it the same way. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's great. It's, it's fantastic. Um, as they saw, like Tom Hardy was fantastic in this movie. I, I thought he was one of the highlights of this movie, and just like a lot of things they pull off because they like, into what he does. Like he still does like a whole like whole lot of uh, like long shots, like long one take scenes. But he also, but you know, he still he's not doing the whole Birdman. This is a Birdman. This is the same one shot. Um, but he, he's still doing kind of like long, um, you know, long takes and everything. And uh, it, it, it kind of works. It helps you absorb yourself. But it, it kind of becomes a little jarring here and there because like, you kind of get used to seeing, uh, you know, just kind of like this one long take for a while. And then it'll cut and it kind of, kind of takes you back out of it just a little bit. But, um, you know, it, sometimes it happens during a portion that's so intense that you just yeah, you don't notice it though. So you know, go see it. I thought it was great. It's definitely a good yeah. Movie. I definitely uh, want to take some time out of. Uh, hopefully, if not uh, sometime this week, uh, next week sometime we'll definitely go watch that. Um, let's see. There's one more thing. Oh yeah, um, I've been listening to a new podcast uh, called Lore. Um, apparently, it's been going on for a bit. Uh, it's essentially kind of taking a lot of. Uh, like folklore and you know pop 
other cooler stuff like vampires and werewolves and then like some other stuff like wendigos and uh, witchcraft and a bunch of other stuff and then just kind of tracing back their historic origins to the very beginning and then kind of also going along uh, you know stories of certain and particular things here and there but it's, it's a great listen it's like really short it's like 30-45 minutes per episode but it's great it's actually a really fun thing to listen to I actually listened to it like a couple times now just uh, just at night no, I, okay, at work. I, I'm listening to it at work, but like I, I'm, I'm at work when it's really dark outside. So the eerie, eerie, be creepy and shit. So it's it's really cool. It's it's a really fun thing to listen to. So that's good. I'll uh, I'll probably keep a listen to that. I suggest our listeners do the same. Yeah, uh, don't be dicks and spread the podcast love around. Uh, like herpes <laughs> just like herpes because um, podcasts are on the internet forever <laughs> um, what have I been doing I bought Rise of the Tomb Raider beat Rise of the Tomb Raider is it good it is good I um, had a chance to play anything. they um, they definitely improved on the last one mm-hmm. there is um, like a lot less combat stuff it feels like because I feel like that got tedious yeah in the last one where it's just like okay we're gonna go to this new area uh is again to cover yeah. you're gonna get shot by all these people yeah because um, that happens like every like few few minutes and there, there's definitely combat stuff you know for sure um but it doesn't feel as overbearing yeah um they've added uh they have like nine I think it's nine, nine or ten optional tombs you can do. Those are, you know, fun little puzzles. Um, they have like a slightly open world area, yeah. Um, where you'll start off in this area and there will be uh, quest givers, mm-hmm. and you go to them, you go do the quest, and you return to them. Yeah. So that's nice. It's, it's a little step back from the uh, completely linear story. Of, yeah, uh, it seemed like they were trying to do that, and uh, you know, and the first one yeah but didn't really pan out i guess yeah so so this one definitely has it it's it's a fun game for sure i haven't played any of the anything else other than the uh main story they have like a survival mode and like you know uh, one of those like score attack modes pretty much where you're trying to get the highest score without dying or you know whatever yeah Uh, i haven't done any of that but um yeah the main game definitely good definitely worth checking out um you can probably hammer the campaign out in I don't know maybe like nine ten hours or so. Really? So it's not like a terribly terribly long 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 game or anything, but that's kind of nice. Yeah. Um. So I know check it out. Yeah, I remember GameFly and Redbox it. I mean, yeah, I remember the last game being incredibly long either. So um, I still enjoy that one. Yeah, it, it looks great. It just it feels really really nice. Um, I got Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Played through, playing through that. I guess yeah. um, it's a lot better than uh, the last couple of Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, the last one I played was four Black Flag yeah. Pirates. That one wasn't bad. It was okay. Yeah, yeah, that one wasn't bad. Um, after that, uh, no. Yeah, but then this one, nice. this one feels, you know, it's nice. It's nice to have the two uh, assassins you can change between. Um, 
it's nice to have a female assassin because in the past the people the fact that they were just like we would do it but like it's just really hard to animate a lady but it, they pretty much have the same figure because they're covering these big thick ass coats anyway so you know it doesn't maybe it was like something that had to be from the playing stages on yeah I can't like I mean that was implanted it because like whenever like people make games they always re- resort to like a default like and that in default right now is still a dude so so it's nice to see that representation there uh, I plan your shit game builders yeah um you can change them so, so there's two protagonists Jacob and Evie Fry uh Jacob is more of the hands on physical kind of guy um and Evie is more of the stealth yeah um, kind of character and that's the one that kind of takes place in industrial London right right okay so there's a lot of like freeing children from like factories and um you know the year you're crossing come across one dollar twist at one point right <laughs> I hope so there's this little girl that um like she's like the head of all of the kids or some shit like that the kid get the roaming kid gangs from yeah. the day and and then you're like amassing gangs in different boroughs as you like free them so the kids are like some of the kids become part of these gangs and they're like wearing your colors and they'll give you like shit yeah. um, it, it's fun um and uh, a news story that I didn't put on here that we'll talk about um, so we'll talk about this uh, a little bit um, I've been playing Rainbow Six Siege yeah. uh, which is the 5v5 uh, multiplayer you keep hearing that's good yeah, it's pretty good. Um, really good I would definitely enjoy it a little better if I wasn't playing with a bunch of dumbasses all the time but um, just one dumbass that you know yeah <laughs> that being said um, it's still it's still fun um, and it's very I want to say realistic sounds very counter strike um, where on the one hand you're very very upset that it seems like out of nowhere you just died but at the same sounds time very it's, it's very realistic as far as like dam- taking damage and stuff like that where it's not like Call of Duty where oh I just hit you with six or seven bullets and you're still running away from there and you can run and hide and recover like your health is permanent and your, the bullets fucking like well, hit. Well, not yet. Yeah. Like, so if you want to get hit by a shotgun in this, more than likely you're not getting back up. Yeah. So so once you, uh, if you are like right on the cusp or just get over the cusp of your health, uh, you can go down mm-hmm. and you'll be injured and you'll start bleeding out. Your teammate can come revive you. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the uh, specialists um, can actually revive you from a distance. Huh. Um, so there's all these different specialists from all these different uh, military, essentially, groups from around the world. And each one has different abilities. So, like, one of them has a riot shield, a ballistic shield, mm-hmm. um, but it's got, like, a flashbang thing on the front. That's cool. So you can, like, walk into a room, flashbang people, and, like, you know, start popping. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's another... Um, Here's another operator, and these are exclusive for attack and defense, so defense has their own set. Uh, But there's another attacker that uh, has a cluster bomb charge, he can like go through walls and shit like that, and he'll come through on the other side. Um, And then you have like defenders where you can like set down uh, armor packs for your team or. 
uh, set up like a, a jammer so they can't use their electronics and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's 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 I'm enjoying it so far. Um, other than that, um, I picked up Oxen Free, which just came out. I've been wanting to play that for a while now. It just oh my, came out on Friday, and I've only put in about a, like an hour, hour and a half or so. But it, it, I've seen some gameplay nice. online, and that game just looks so fucking fun. The way they do the uh, the dialogue in that game is really nice. It's, where yeah. people have a conversation. And you'll have usually like uh, two to three options of what you can say. But if the conversation keeps going, you don't say anything. You don't say anything. anything. Yeah. So it's very real time where you'll see these things start fading away. You're like, oh shit, this isn't like they're waiting for me to say something, you know? So it's, I don't know. Like, where like if you're just kind of like in conversation with somebody, they'll just keep standing there for hours until you just wait for you to say something back. Because we all know that's how conversations work. Here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know how many times we just like stand here and just like look at each other and one of us talks. And, yeah, and then I edit all of that out. <laughs> but exactly. I'm really playing that. I'm really excited to uh, finish it and get it uh, done because it, it seems great. I, I love games like that. Just like, like those coming of age stories yeah. and like you know. Because I like I like like I saw like Mary repeating days confused. Yeah. And so like when it comes to stuff like that, like I think that's really cool. But like I love the weird like paranormal element too. Yeah. So, um, I'm looking forward. To the art style of the in-game stuff is is simplified but really nice and then the actual they'll do cuts to uh, like whenever they, they'll take like a photo and they'll do like an actual uh, like an illustration kind of thing I don't even know how yeah. to really describe it essentially the characters take a, um, take a picture and then they just you know illustrate what that would look like right um, right right even though the choices you've made so far even though the characters in um even though the characters, like, as you're walking around in the world, are they don't look like that. It's very, like, polygonal and simple-looking, but very... It's nice. I like it. Yeah. Uh, go check that out. I haven't even finished it. I'm telling you to go buy it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's about it. Um, as far as movies go, I don't think I've really watched anything new recently. Yeah. Um, as far as I haven't gone back to see Star Wars, like, five more times. Yeah, I'm upset that I haven't gone and seen Star Wars like five more times um I'm sure I will at some point though yeah I'm good night um I'm just too busy playing video games right now <laughs> um speaking of video games let's go ahead and uh, dive right into the news Joey news um first news and it came out of uh, Kotaku uh, about like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, uh, and bringing it back to Assassin's Creed, uh, they have a track record of uh, pretty much, I don't know if they're getting information from the inside or like if they're talking to someone or if they're just really good at guessing, but for the last couple of Assassin's Creed games, they've, um, they've pretty much predicted them in like January. Yeah. So... They came out with a story uh, about a week, week and a half ago um, about how Ubisoft is planning on skipping Assassin's Creed this year. Mm -hmm. So um, 
and the next Assassin's Creed they're going to be doing is codenamed Empire, and it will take place in ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. So that sounds pretty fucking cool. That, I like that idea. It'll be nice to take that like step back because I feel from we've just been going forward and forward and forward in time, right? Because like the first game was set in like the medieval times, yeah, ten thirty two or whatever. Kind of be interesting to see, like maybe this is the formation of the whole assassin assassins guild. Yeah, That'd be pretty cool. Even um, I just want them to be done with the fucking real life shit of the yeah. Assassin's Creed. I'm so over it. And, like even in in uh, Syndicate, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, um, it's not as prevalent as it was in the older games. Yeah, but it's still just like it. It takes you away from it. And yeah. It's just like, oh, well, you finished this chapter, let's go check on to see how the real-life people are dancing. I don't give a fuck about these people. Yeah, that, that part was the only disappointing you know, portion to it. I think it would have been a lot more effective if they just had it be like, you know, first game set in this time period, second game set in a further time period, and then keep going, 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 going. You know, it's, and, and, and if you get to modern times eventually. Yeah, if you, if you have that modern time stuff in there, like that current day stuff, I guess that's fine, but just like, I don't know, keep it at the start, do it at the start and then keep it at the end. Like, don't break up the gameplay in between. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I'm getting into this world and I'm getting taken out of it. Because, oh, I need to go check on to make sure these people didn't die or something. Yeah, I need to care to go hack into this security camera and eavesdrop on things. Yeah, like a secondary story that ultimately means nothing. Yeah, like, who cares? Yeah. It's but, uh, bullshit. So, so they're um, saying that Assassin's Creed is skipping this year, um, which I believe is the first time that they're skipping a year since like one of the Assassin's Creed 2's yeah so you know one of the Assassin's Creed yeah, 2's so, so they you know they've consistently been, been putting these things out um, I hope they realize that you know if that's the case I hope it's because they realize that it's like you know people are getting fatigued by Assassin's Creed I hope I just, I just hope it's kind of like I mean with a franchise this big that's making this much money I really hope it's just kind of a call out to everybody else to realize you guys don't need to come out with a game every fucking year oh, eventually break. It's yeah just, it's just gonna be a waste of money and also a waste of time yeah because people are getting franchise fatigue like that's simple right? I've, been, like, I've been like that for a while now I, I still I still like I have you know Black Ops 3 and I'm still trying to get through it's like why do you think that like um, Grand Theft Auto 5 sold like 60 million copies it's because it's been so long since the last one people are like it builds up that hype yeah if if Grand Theft Auto came out every year it would be a lot of Rockstar so it'd still be pretty good but it wouldn't be like people wouldn't be as excited no exactly no I mean, like, right now, like, I keep thinking because I keep thinking about how much I enjoy GTA 5. I, like, I'm looking forward to, you know, GTA 6 or whatever else they're going to do with it. Right. It's just, like, they need to know how to space these things out. At, like, a yearly schedule for these things eventually just becomes tiresome. And, like, especially with, like, Assassin's Creed. With Call of Duty, I, I can kind of see that. I mean, it's, it's always a very linear story, and then it's always stuck with the multiplayer. But with, yeah. like, Assassin's Creed, it's this giant open world like you know by the time you're done with the first one the if you like 100% that game 
you're going to be already close to the next release of the Assassin's Creed game, so it's just Fair. like, you know, it's, it's a little bit much. Yeah. Um, the other side of the story was because they are skipping um, Assassin's Creed this year, uh, they're going to have Watch Dogs 2. Yeah. And it will be set in San Francisco. Okay. Then, like, Watch Dogs 1 didn't really do too well and wound live up to everyone's expectations. Yeah. Uh, I played it. I think there was a lot of, like, nice ideas there. Yeah. As you know um, how it goes, though, like, the first game. Yeah, yeah I just feel like nice it was weak. Um, but I feel like if they take some of those ideas and kind of rework them in the right way, it would be a, you know, big standout game. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was a little bit of old news. There's really not a lot of news. Um, Oculus Rift. Uh, pre-orders were open. The price was announced. Um, kind of freaked everybody out a little bit. Like, how much is it? It's $599. Oh, that'd be, like, closer to 1000 Right, but in order to run it, like, have a computer that runs it, that's true. you're going to need about, like, a $700 computer. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, like, anyone who's actually planning on buying it, I mean, like, if you don't know the logistics of it, but something, you know, of the fucking thing in the first place, you almost have, like, no reason to buy it, because if you don't, if you don't know, if you don't have a rig that can handle it, and, yeah. you know, it's the same people who bought, bought Crisis back in the day, and didn't have a computer to hand, that handled that game worth a shit either. Right. So, you know, whatever. I did, I remember hearing that uh, the company that is making it, they're giving out free uh, free ones to all the ones who uh, put in money for the dead kid. Yeah, and the people who backed the Kickstarter originally, uh, I think it was at like the $300 price point. Yeah. Um, we'll get a final release Oculus Rift. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Um, to kind of make good on, you know, they wouldn't want, uh, what they didn't want to do is have these people get a, uh, you know, a dev kit as soon as it came out and then not have the final product to show for it, I guess. Yep. Um, so they're, uh, they're pretty much trying to make good with that, which is, which is, you know, I think it's pretty good will from the company. And, I mean, it's Facebook. Facebook bought Oculus Rift, right? So yeah. they have the money to, you know, spare to kind of... And, you know, I'm pretty sure that's just a fun little side project for them. Yeah. Um, so what this um, what this does is it sets a expectation now. Right, so now now we know what price, because everybody up to this point, as far as VR goes, um, all these different uh, VR headsets have been um, very tiptoey about price. Yeah. Um, and nobody wanted to be the first to say it, I feel like. Nobody wanted to be the first one to come out and be like, yeah, it's going to be pretty expensive, you guys. Yeah. So, I mean, like, first iteration of virtual reality, what did you expect? You're not going to expect it to be fucking cheap. It's just going to be expensive. I mean, like, don't fucking piss them on about it. It's just I mean, it's one of the things with the, with the Oculus Rift. Pretty much every single component that's going into that is custom made. So, and even for the screen, like, they've gone and custom made they had to custom make every single screen they can't just like grab one off the shelf that's yeah. already been produced um, so yeah I mean um, maybe this isn't 
the way into VR for everyone just yet. Yeah. Um, if anything, I would hold out and see uh, how much the uh, PlayStation VR is. Yeah. Um, it's still going to be expensive okay. for sure, but I think they realize that they can't put it out at a $600 price point. I think with the PlayStation 1, it's just going to be more easily accessible for a majority of people who so many, so many people have switched over to the PlayStation 4 um, in this new console generation. So um, I think the way they can really push sales for PlayStation VR is if um, they somehow could like do a kind of like crossover to make sure it can work on PC or something like that. Yeah. Because then you have a then you have a good reason to buy this thing. So if yeah. you can use it both on your PlayStation and on your computer. Yeah. Why wouldn't you get it right? Um, so yeah, I just want to talk about that because um, I really think the future of video games to some extent is going to include virtual reality. You don't think it's a gimmick? I don't think so. Um, even just with the practical applications of virtual reality, um, I mean, this is what sci-fi writers said about 50, 60 years ago, right? So, further back, further yeah. Back. So, um, yeah. I don't think this is uh, this first uh, like wave of the stuff might be kind of gimmicky. Just like uh, motion controls for the Wii were very gimmicky. Yeah. Every game on that came out on the Wii was just, you know, like, we're going to wag the controller around or do whatever. And so play with this fake dick and make your fashion <laughs> fucking bob and move on fucking the TV. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, though, because, I mean, like, as you said, motion control, I mean, like, how many games have motion control right now? Like, how, how, how further integrated is it into any of the games now? I mean... Like on the on the PS3, but, but yeah, yeah, but even then, it's just like uh, um, obviously it's not as gimmicky as like waving your controller around, but um, something like Until Dawn, where like you're hiding and there's a gyroscope in your controller and you have to hold the controller still. Obviously, that has something to do with motion control because if you move that controller, see like stuff like that is what would be needed, right? And eventually we're going to get to that point. We have to, I think, cross that threshold of gimmicky uh, exploitation of a thing. Yeah. And then eventually it'll settle in and be like, okay, well, these are the practical good effects for this. Yeah. You know, I eventually we'll get there. Um, but I think this is that first crucial step there. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll, um, hopefully, I, I think we are uh, around to say. Okay. Um, Maybe not in the iteration now of the Oculus Rift, um, but to some extent, I think it's always going to be around. Yeah. Um, uh, next piece of news I have: um, Mark Laidlaw uh, retired from Valve. He's he's like their, he was their lead writer over there. Okay. Um, he'd been with the company of like 18 years, I believe. Um, he was writing. He wrote Half Life Two. Yeah. Um, a lot of so this came out because someone uh, I don't know if they I think they I don't know if they emailed him or if they uh, sent a tweet out to him 
but they uh, they asked him like, okay, can you like confirm or deny like what's going on with Half Life Three? Mm-hmm. And he was pretty much like, I can't do that. I don't work for that company anymore. Damn. So um, he, because he retired, yeah, not because he was like fired. I was gonna say like the, like, like the way you were saying it, I was like, did he get fired over like? Over Twitter? No, 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 no. no. So, so he, he, had, he had left the company, um, but obviously he didn't make like a big press deal about it. Or yeah, anything. he just kind of went under the radar. Someone contacted him asking him about um, uh, Half Life 3, and I believe he said something along the lines of like, I don't work for the company anymore, so I can't really speculate either way. Yeah. Um, or he said something along the lines of it's like, it's not my place to speculate. Mm-hmm. Either way, um, he was a writer beforehand, so it just kind of makes sense. He's probably just going to go into like writing books or doing something like that. Writing whatever the fuck he wants now. Uh, a lot of people uh, freaked out for a second because um, they were like, "Oh, well, if he's leaving, that means we're never getting a Half Life 3. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's entirely true because I'm assuming if there is going to be a Half Life 3, I'm sure it was written like 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, so. Um, I wouldn't take that as a we're never getting a Half-Life 3. Yeah. I would just take that as a um, well, this writer's gone. And this yeah. guy who worked there for a while is retired from the place. Maybe he's just like, well, now we really have no idea when this is happening. Yeah. Because the only source you could probably egg out you know, any kind of information from is now no longer going to work for the company or he's not going to say anything. Yeah, I'm sure if yeah, I'm sure if he does know something about it, like he's under some NDA that he can't talk about it. Yeah. Um, So that happened, and then we had another uh, big person in the uh, in the gaming community, uh, Leslie Benzies. Benzies. (laughs) That's got to be their nickname. Um, He was um, he was the head of uh, Rockstar North. He's pretty much. worked on every uh, Grand Theft Auto since 3, I believe. And so 3, San Andreas, Vice City, 4, and 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure he's done plenty of other work in other aspects and other games that Rockstar's produced yeah. and everything. Um, but he was the company for like uh, a good number of years as well. And what happened with him after the launch of, I believe... After the launch of Grand Theft Auto 5, I'm not remembering if it's um, the 360 release or the uh, current console release, the old gen or the new gen. Um, he took a sabbatical, and it's been 12 months and he hasn't come back. Okay. So I guess it's kind of one of those things where it's just like forfeiting his position. Yeah. I'm sure it's one of those things where it's like, I'm sure he has a shitload of money from Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure those uh, bonuses after like you reaching, you know, like 10 million and 20 million. Yeah. I'm sure he's uh, fucking loaded. Like, I'm sure he's doing okay. Is it? I'm sure he like took to work. He took, yeah, yeah. After he took a year off and he was like, eh. I'm pretty sure that's just what happened. Maybe we'll yeah. see him um, pop up in some other studio at some point. Yeah. Or maybe even go back to Rockstar. Who knows? Um, there are people that work again. He'll probably but if like, he, not have a problem. Yeah, the way I see it, if he's one of those uh, creative types, I don't think he's going to... You can't like, do nothing for his interior yeah. after a while. Yeah, so I think we'll probably see him come back at some point. I don't... 
I really don't think we'll see him go to a, another studio. Nah, because Rockstar is very good about keeping their talent. And, you know, I, I'm sure they like pressure their treat their employees very, very well. So, um, you know, if you got a job at Rockstar, why would you go to EA? Exactly. You know? Um, so that's pretty much it in uh, gaming news show. Let's go to the, um, let's take a quick break. We have um, a whole plethora of shit to talk about in yeah. movies and entertainment this week. So yeah, we do. Um, let's go to um, take a quick break. We'll uh, we'll be right back, you guys. Take it back. I fixed the audio quality on this shit because for whatever reason this piece of shit has been recording like shit yeah. uh, just randomly on us I feel like when we've been doing this so it hopefully like we were talking through like a tin can underwater <laughs> it, don't think we haven't noticed I mean we, we've noticed obviously it's just that um, yeah it's just um, I think I finally figured out what the problem was um yeah, and now when I'm looking at this, the silence actually looks silent as opposed to being a garbled gungle mess. <laughs> so, um, we should, mess. So we should we should be good. Um, I am sorry for the first half of the podcast. Um, it sounds like mini dicks and mini assholes. Yeah. So uh, this should be all fixed. Hopefully, it sounds a little better. Yeah. Um, Welcome back from our short break where we had some uh, technical figure out as to what the fuck is going on. Um, But we are back with um, Entertainment General today. Yeah, yeah, today. Usually we don't um, delve too much in the... um, Just entertainment stuff. Entertainment stuff, but I feel like because... um, some stuff went Some down. Some of the stuff that happened. Um, a lot of we, it. We need, we need to talk about it. And, I mean, the stuff relates to, to video games it. and movies as well. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we might as well start off with the uh, the bad news and hopefully perk everyone okay. up near the end. So, there's there's been a string of deaths. all, And it's all been uh, the, everyone who has passed away recently has just been due to cancer. Um, one name we don't have on here, uh, I think mostly because... I think we're both not really big fans of hers. I'm more fan of like her dad's work. Uh, Natalie Cole, Nat King Cole's daughter, yeah. uh, passed away. She was the first to pass away. And then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Lemmy Kilmeister of Motorhead fame uh, passed away uh, not too long after that. Um, just a few days after his 70th birthday. Right. Um, by the time we were recording, last episode was about the time I would say it happened. Uh, yeah. about the I think it was probably... Uh, I think we would have uh, probably talked about it. Yeah, if it was after we recorded. I think it might have been just a, a yeah. bit after, a little bit after. So, Johnny, I'm not sure how big a fan of Motorhead you are, but for me, Motorhead was just one of those bands that kind of shaped the way I listen to music and what yeah. I listen to. Um, my um, I, I, relationship with Motorhead isn't extensive or yeah. anything. Um, I'm definitely aware of the stuff, definitely heard of all their stuff. Um, it's stuff that I enjoy listening to, and definitely um, by playing things like uh, 
Tony Hawk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plenty of Motorhead songs in there and stuff like that. So um, I'm definitely familiar with the music and associate good feelings with the, yeah. with that music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, like Motorhead has influenced countless numbers of bands. I mean, some of the biggest bands out there right now in the rock and roll or metal scene right now, like you know Slayer and Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, Overkill. Um, and the list just goes on and on and on. Everybody cites Lemmy as a figurehead, as almost. an influence. He is like, like if there's ever if there ever was a personification of rock and roll, it was Lemmy. Yeah, hands down, no one comes close. He was the man. I mean, like I read a biography of his, an autobiography of his. Uh, a few years ago called White Line Fever. If you guys you know, get the chance, pick it up. It's a pretty good read. Um, and there's just like the, the life this guy lived was nuts. He uh, like There is a particular one that's always stuck out to me that he, uh, like, I think, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he ended up having to go to a hospital and give blood. <clears throat> and the doctor said, okay, we can't accept your blood because if anyone else got it, they would die of toxic shock <laughs> because you have so much drugs and alcohol in your There's system. so much shit in your body. And also we can't give you clean blood because the shock of clean blood would kill you. And it's like, so uh, he, he, he was one of those guys. Apparently he did like so much drugs back in the day. His like, he was like 99% drugs, 1% man. It was, and you know, it's, it's, it's honestly kind of like, it was like a weird miracle of science, but also just, it was kind of just like that whole, like, fuck yeah. You know, like Lemmy can fucking live through anything. Yeah. You see him finally pass. It's kind of like seeing like uh, the, the metalhead Superman die in a way. So it, it's, it's sad. It's, it kind of sucked. A lot. Yeah. And then uh, following that, um, one of the biggest music icons. One of the biggest music influences, I would. Yeah. Pretty much uh, a lot of, like, he's touched so much music throughout his career that the expanse is would be surprising to almost anybody. I mean, like all facets of rock and roll, all facets of pop music and beyond that synthetic music and everything else. Uh, but not only that being an actor and being in video games, we didn't talk about this with Lemmy, but he was in video games as well. Yeah. He talked about like brutal legend, brutal legend. He voiced essentially a character that was himself. himself, Right. So just like, like, you can't, you can't make a parody of Lemmy because he's already like a parody parody of of real life as as it is, you know? And, uh, but yeah, David Bowie uh, passed away. Cancer, same thing. He released Cancer. an album like two days, two, Black three days Star. before. I heard he... it's really good. I heard yeah. it's really good. Um, and his influence in music, of course, knows no bounds. Exactly. But um, of course, he would. He 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 acted in movies. He was in Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Um, he was in video games. He was the uh, character in this game called uh, Omicron, the Nomad Soul. Um, which, if you have a PC that can play, it's like a very old game. I think it's from uh, '99. Yeah. Um, it, the creators of the game actually made it free mm-hmm. in remembrance of him. Yeah. Um, and not to mention just. His look and appeal has um, influenced so many characters in video games. Yeah. Um, so you, you can just kind of look around; you'll see like a million Ziggy Stardust references almost everywhere you go. Yeah, like in anything during that heyday, you can fucking find it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So uh, so, so it's just um, it's it's uh, it's very uh, sad. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, and like, if you've never listened to David Bowie. You still heard his songs. Yeah, he's, he's just one of those guys. You always have heard at least one of his songs. You never knew it was one of his songs. I mean, like, how many people don't, like, do not know Space Odyssey? Right. I mean, like, and everyone at least knows, you know, Ground, Ground Control of Major Tom. They at least know that lyric. Yeah. You know, and um, just kind of like kind of a testament to who he was as, as, as an artist. Yeah. You know, so. And then um, finally, Alan Rickman passed away with, uh, the Alan day Rickman. after David Bowie. Yeah. Also um, passed away from cancer. Very, very sad. Um, I feel like you either know him as one of two things. You know, if you're a little older than we are, personally, mm-hmm. uh, and he, you know, it's us, of course, but um, to our he, generation, he is named huh. from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. But to that older generation, he's Hans Gruber. Yeah, from Hans Die Hard, right? So, um, and not to mention, he, he's been in so many other films. Um, I mean, like he—he he was great in Galaxy Quest. Yeah, I mean the the little robot he voiced, and I just watched Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, you're talking about that too, and it just—he um, just is a great actor. Yeah, I mean his, his role in Dogma was fantastic. Yeah, just just the way he just just carries himself in all of his roles. And him just being like having that really distinct voice, yeah. Too, because you can hear. I can give you a crowd of voices and put his voice in there, and you'll be that's Alan Rick. Yeah, he and just he, has this. Even very, if you don't know his name, you'd be like, that's Snake. Yeah, exactly. That's Snake. Or that Hans Gruber. Yeah, or, you know whoever you associate him with. Um, I'm, you've seen him. Before, you've seen him in things before. Um, it's just it's a big loss. You know? Yeah. And especially since, um, I mean, especially with how big the, like the Harry Potter movies were, and I mean, uh, the character of Snape was already like a well, well, yeah, I don't even know how to put this—a very developed character. Yeah, he's well in the books. Um, he really brought that to the screen very, very well. Yeah. You know, so it, it, I think it just kind of is a testament of how great of an actor he was. Um, and I feel like that's a, you know, it's a big loss. Yeah. For sure. Um, usually we don't get very uh, topical like this. Yeah. Um, but I feel like with. Or at least three, topical without some righteous indignation and hatred. Right. Um, with these three, I feel like we did need to talk about it, though. Yeah. Um, and three big losses very close together, yeah. all to cancer. Um, if this um, if this isn't a reason for you to go donate to whatever cancer society you choose, yeah. I don't know what is. And it, you know, it's also kind of sad when you think about it that way because people don't tend to recognize something as a problem until like, it affects somebody we you know that entertains until us. Until even then, it, we don't realize this problem until. Um, Someone we know, whether that be yeah. family or friends, usually we don't really have that like you know call to action. But um, with these people, they're just they've been so influential in the world yeah. and to everybody. Where um, I can assure you, um, if someone uh, walked up to Alan Rickman, um, you know. A year ago, yeah, they would feel like they know him to an extent because he yeah. portrayed this character that they've 
come to know and love, right? So if you have that kind of uh, ability, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, people are going to mourn that loss. They're going to take it big. And they're going to, even if you've never lost someone to like cancer yeah. or something like that, something like this can de- is definitely like a reality check. Pretty much. You know? So go donate to. Uh, Whatever uh, favorite cancer society you have, yep. just know that um, cancer is a for real thing. So don't be uh, don't be dumb. Yeah, don't do things that'll give you cancer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so okay, moving on and moving on. Let's, let's years. Yeah, let's uh, uh, let's land the mood a little bit. So we'll take this in a bit of an out of order. That's uh, my thing. Um, let's talk about Ten Cloverfield Lane. Surprise trailer that just J.J. Um, Abrams was like, oh, hey, uh, yeah. I guess my production company's making this movie that's coming out in two so months. I watched it this morning and I didn't, I obviously couldn't help but think, so is this, you know, a follow up? To Cloverfield, it's. I believe it's. It's not a sequel necessarily, but it does take place in the same universe. Yeah. So it's just a follow up. It's not necessarily like you know same characters as a different scenario or you know in a similar scenario or anything like that. Or right. Same monster believe, or whatever. Yeah. This isn't. This isn't a uh, found footage kind of a thing. Um. But it does play. I believe it does take place in that same universe. Yeah. As a Cloverfield. So uh, for those of you who haven't seen the trailer, go watch it. Um, but also for those who have, it's very interesting. Uh, it has uh, uh, John Goodman in it. I feel like I care more about this movie than I did about the first Cloverfield. Oh, yeah. Uh, the first that. Cloverfield, just, you know, it's just whatever. I feel like I've seen enough of, like, oh, found footage movie of monster yeah. thing. Well, like, I mean, at the time, too, they were billing it as, you know, a J.J. Abrams movie, but no one gave a shit who J.J. Abrams was back, back then. then. Yeah. But yeah. now now that means something. Now it actually fucking means From something. From the guy who brought you Star Wars, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So Pretty much. And the guy who successfully rebooted fucking Star, Star Trek. Trek. You know, um... So you know, it's a definitely it's definitely an interesting look. Uh, it, so from the looks of the trailer, it takes place all in an underground bunker. Yeah. Um, supposedly, there's been a uh, you know some kind of world-ending uh, situation that has kind of forced three people to live in this bunker. Yeah. Um, uh, some girl, some guy, and you know, older is some older guy played by uh, John Goodman. I don't know the other two actors' names. Um, which makes me is this like a father and kid situation? Or is I this think the official official thing is kind of like a neighbor uh, tells them that the world has ended, and they he brings them into their into his bunker. Yeah. So uh, if that's the case, I'm sure he's really pissed. At the end of the trailer, she's going up to open that damn door. Yeah. Oh, and the fact that she you know, fucking hits him in the face with a fucking beer bottle. Yeah. You know, and fuck these neighbors. Yeah. So like you know, like when you look at it, it seems kind of wholesome. Everyone's getting along together and then you know things kind of start to spiral out of control and you know obviously there's a growing suspicion of whether or not there's actually you know what the guy says is happening outside yeah. of those doors and it looks interesting it looks really cool and I'm I'd hoping it's not going to suck I would be fine with it if it was just like a uh, like a single room drama kind of a thing mm-hmm. I find that stuff very interesting yeah very uh, and, and I think the big deal about this it was, was that um, 
it's all like, oh, this movie's coming in December. This movie's coming next year. It's like, this movie's coming out in March. Yeah. They've pretty much kept That's it under wraps and just surprise dropped this trailer. Yeah. Where... That's uh, like a lot of people might be upset that oh this isn't enough time to uh, build hype for something, but it's just like I don't think you need hype for everything though. I think this hopefully this movie shows that you don't need hype for everything. Sometimes if, you just want to be surprised. Any, yeah, if anything, it's better because then I don't have six, twelve months to uh, emotionally sit on it and then this. be like. Eh, I don't know if uh, I really want to go watch this. Yeah. You know, but if you catch me now, two months from now, I'd be like, oh, that trailer did look pretty cool. We should go watch that. I mean, it's not generating hype, but it's generating intrigue. Yeah. You know, like you're intrigued by what this movie has to offer, and you're kind of intrigued. Like, is this, is, 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 like, is this going to be good? And then you kind of think, I kind of think I want to go see this. We don't get anything really from the trailer. Mm-hmm. So, um,. That's also great because then I don't know what to expect. Exactly. I love going into a movie not knowing what to expect. Mm -hmm. Really, Don't give me a fucking short form of the film in the trailer. Like, I don't know, Batman versus Superman. (laughs) Just to name one. Did you you hear uh, what Zack Snyder said about that or one of the producers said about that? They were like, oh, don't worry. Um, That's not like even the biggest character. Like, there's more to come that's going to be in that movie. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because we all know (laughs) the fact that fucking they're going to fight Lex Luthor in his power armor anyway. I'm not going to... That's not even the biggest thing, though. Is it? I'm not going to... I'm just going to cut that off right there. And also, anyone who thinks, you know, this Man of Steel was any good, you should probably reevaluate all the decisions you made in your life. But, moving on back to Cloverfield. Uh, so, yeah, this this looks good. This looks interesting. And I'll, I'll probably end up going to go see it. And yeah. I really... I, like, I always hope any movie I go see is going to be good. I yeah. always hope any movie I go see is going to be good because I'd really hate to waste my time with a really shitty movie. Um, and I think a movie that's handling itself like this with kind of like this air of confidence um, that only J.J. Abrams can really bring, I think it's going to be kind of good. Yeah. I hope it's going to be good. Hopefully. So I'm going to go see it. Um, moving on, uh, Matt Groening, uh, the man who's brought you uh, the zombie known as The Simpsons. What 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 is that? You, so, so like uh, the, the, the Simpsons is, is this really small indie cartoon that you know it, it went through some Kickstarters, it went through some GoFundmes, and it finally got released, and it's been running for the last like fifty years, um, <laughs> you know, thirty years, way past when it, it should have ended. Will not die. I kind of think The Simpsons should have ended a little while ago, but that's just me. Um, so, anywho, uh, you know, Matt Groening, creator of The Simpsons, creator of Futurama, you know, who, which kind of, you know, them and Family Guy pulled the whole Lazarus effect and, uh, you know, rose themselves back from the dead yeah. um, after being canceled from Fox and, you know, uh, Futurama ended up coming back um, years down the line um, back to Comedy Central and then, uh, you know, with the, like, like five movies quote unquote movies which is just essentially just like four or five episodes strung together um he is developing a new Netflix series um let's see uh Netflix 
is eyeing a straight-to-series order for two seasons of 10 episodes each. Uh, the trade points out that large initial order could help offset the long lead time and large production costs of an animated series, but it'd be far from the first Netflix series to begin with a two-season order. House of Cards, Un- Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and Judd Apatow's upcoming Love are all picked that way as well. Um, and this is not the first uh, animated series that Netflix has done. F is for Family is a new one by Bill Burr. Um, yeah. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it, but I keep hearing it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. It's, if you like Bill Burr's comedy, yeah. you'll enjoy it. Yeah, and also same with Bojack Horseman, Bojack which Horseman. just got off his second season. Um, and I also hear that's really good. I just haven't yeah. bothered to sit down and watch it. I, I heard some I heard some people on a podcast talking about it, and apparently there's these there's this character which is essentially three kids in a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, like, and the, um, the the boyfriend of uh, Bojack's agent is just like three kids or like yeah, like two or three kids in a trench coat. Yeah, and nobody knows. <laughs> and like, and apparently they're all going. Like, I'm going to the business factory to do business. And like, I was like, okay, one that's fucking hilarious. I need, I can't probably should sit down and actually watch it. Um, and you know, uh, so. Yeah, uh, you know Matt Groening is coming back to do something interesting. I'm hopefully. very excited to see something new from him. Yeah, right. Because I mean, Futurama I, was a really cool step forward. Yeah, from the Simpsons. Because you, you, you mean you made the Simpsons. Yeah, it, it, and it sort of looked the there. same. Sure, that's fine. You can go with that, but it, it it's nice to see something new from him. Just yeah. because, and the Simpsons, in my opinion, has become so stale now. Um, and even you know when it when it is funny, um, it's just been on for so long where you're just like I would like to see something different. Exactly right. I'm kind of like because like and as I said, Futurama was a really cool step because I mean like a kid who gets frozen and is you know flung into the future that was like really cool idea. And I'm kind of wondering what other cool ideas he has uh, yeah. coming up next. And actually, I just started rewatching all of. Uh, Futurama as well um, on Netflix. So, um, yeah, I, I was prematurely getting myself primed and ready for this. I'm kind of hoping yeah. this uh, this um, comes to fruition. Comes Do they have over. any? Um, <clears throat> they say anything about when it would, we would be expecting? No, they, I'm assuming just, sometime next year if they just announced it. Um, if it's going to be animated, it will take a while. So I'm thinking it's probably going to be next year, or maybe the year after. I, I think I saw. Um, something about Netflix posting um, they already have all of their um, release dates lined up for this year pretty much mm-hmm. um, so I uh, I would think that would be sometime next year I, I was I was looking at this on Variety and they didn't have anything uh, pointing to any release date but as I said seems pretty cool um, and then after that okay so Daredevil. I've oh, hey. watched three episodes of Daredevil. That uh, I haven't gone past the three episodes of Daredevil because, as I said, I have been very burned out on the superhero thing in general. However, <laughs> there's recently been announced that there is going to be a Punisher spinoff on Netflix. 
and that's going to be them just dragging me back in. I love the Punisher. Have you seen the pictures of Jason Barenthal as, as the, Punisher? the Punisher? I've seen a few. I haven't seen I haven't seen like his actual costume or his getup. So I the, right now I believe the pictures that they have out there of him in Punisher getup, he doesn't have the white skull yet. He doesn't have like white boots. It's just like, you know, all black kind of thing. So um, I'm wondering if this Punisher series will um, kind of lead him to that point. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. Like uh, the white gloves and go-go boots is a really cool look in the, in the comics. I don't think, yeah, I don't know if, if sure go-go boots will sell well. over or over to uh, TV, but I mean the skull for sure. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. You can't have the Punisher without his. Because right now in what they're showing, skull. he doesn't have that skull. So, you know, I'm assuming, I don't know, at some point they'll get to that. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they're going to go with the original, uh, like, the comic book skull, um, like, or if they're going to go, like, or the one that we kind of see on the t-shirts, or the one with, like, the fucking bandoliers (sighs) that make up the teeth, and, and, like, uh, the giant fucking... Uh, you know, eyes on like across the chest. Um, but either way, you know, this just looks really fucking cool. Um, as I said, I'm a huge fan of the Punisher. He's pretty, he was kind of like my entry point for, um, you know, further down the line after high school, right. you know, like, well, like into high school when I was getting into high school, I was kind of getting back into comics and stuff. Um, he was one of those big characters that really drew me back with his civil war storyline in conjunction with the civil war stuff I was reading. So, um, yeah. I'm excited. Excited. I'm super excited. Sure. Um, I haven't watched uh, Jessica Jones. Um, as I, it's just not something that's interested me. Um, I guess they also confirmed some stuff for Luke Cage since Luke Cage is also in that and Iron Fist, which I think they're. I don't know really why they're doing all of them separately right now when it's a series because a series means that it's going to be going on for a while unless at the end of their respective series then they're going to do heroes for hire i think uh what they're doing is just essentially making origin series for all of them and then maybe their series will continue with them doing shit by themselves but i believe the goal is to at the end of it have them all be in a single show together. Yeah. I guess I could work out. You know what? They obviously know what they're doing. They're making a shit ton of money off of this. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Daredevil second season sets a start on March 18th. Um, and they're we're not entirely sure when the Punisher's gonna be coming out after that, uh, but might be the new series after their second uh, after their second season. So, yeah, as we said, we'll see. Yeah, maybe I should actually you know fucking finish watching Daredevil so I can get to uh, the cool Punisher stuff in Dare and season two. Yeah. So, and uh, last uh, but not least, the Golden Globe winners for this year um golden globes happened just last week yeah um from when we're recording this um let me see if i can bring up um the winners and stuff yeah so pretty much like everybody knows that the golden so so while i do this i just go to explain to the audience the difference because because a lot of people might be confused um 
with the Golden Globes and the Oscars. Yeah. So, um, so gonna just the go- so, okay. So let's see. Oscars is strictly about movies and film and that entire and that entire uh, grouping. But excuse me. Um, but Golden Globes encompasses television um, and everything else, and kind of like Hollywood in its entirety almost um but also uh golden globes are just kind of like a precursor to the oscars and they kind of set up the predictions for the oscars as well and um the same people who vote for the golden globes aren't the people who vote for the oscars the golden globes are voted for by the uh hollywood uh foreign press association yeah and Um, they're continually continually there's always a joke about them just like Routinely fucking shit up because they because a lot of people just like don't agree with the way things are nominated and or just the categories they have and you know we're about to get into that here in a little bit but also just uh, like so like if if you kind of look back a few years ago um, when Ricky Gervais first hosted the Golden Globes, which he also hosted this year's. Um, he made a lot of jokes at a lot of people's expense and they didn't really like that too much. Um, but he also made a lot of jokes about The Tourist, which was a movie that was critically panned, didn't do well at the box office at all, um, by no stretch of the imagination, but yet was nominated for some Golden Globes, you know, for yeah. some kind of prestige categories, like actor and like movie and whatever. So, you know, it's kind of they're they're iffy at best you know they're very iffy so you take everything they they say or nominate with a grain of salt but hollywood just treats it as just one big party because when you look at it um when you actually watch it essentially all the all the celebrities there are just like having a good time eating and getting drunk and that's really about it yeah so it's just seen as a good time yeah it's it's not as it's nowhere near as prestigious as the oscars no right um I have problems with the Oscars as well, but we'll get into that next week. Um, so the Golden Globes, yeah, like you said, uh, people take it kind of as a precursor to the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of get an idea of where people's feelings are at. Um, yeah. Just kind of test the waters, right? Mm-hmm. Stick your big fat toe into the pool to that see if it's uh, if it's toe. warm or not. Um, so I got two lists here: uh, one for TV and one for movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll quickly go through the movies one, quickly go through the uh, yeah. through the TV ones. Um, and these, uh, I don't know if there's any other categories. These are the, uh, you know, big The big categories. ones. All we're no, the ones right that now. anybody even gives two shits about. Um, so for Best Motion Picture Drama, we had nominated Carol, Mad Max, uh, The Revenant, uh, Room, and Spotlight. And mm-hmm. The Revenant won that. Uh-huh. Kind of not surprising. Yeah. Um, and let's just talk about this now. Uh, best motion picture, musical, or comedy. Yeah, this is the big one. This is the big one. Um, the Big Short, Joy, The Martian, Spy, and Trainwreck. Yeah. In which The Martian took best comedy or musical. Yeah. So this is what's ever got everyone up in a big ass fucking uproar and also reinforces the fact that the Golden Globes are kind of a joke. Just um, a little crazy. Just a little a little crazy, you know, like they have this that weird foreign dude who can barely speak English, you know, like trying to like do it, like, you know, fill out an entire form in English, you know, it's just, he, uh, it's like, so the so Martian the has here, some jokes in it to lighten the already dark 
atmosphere of the whole thing of, you know, potentially dying on a planet by yourself. This should have been in drama, but what happened is the studio sees, oh, we're going up against the Revenant. We're going up against Mad Max. They're like, we're not going to win in this category, so we're going to send it to the as a comedy. Comedy reviews And the comedies weren't as strong as The Martian. There's no musicals to compete with this year. So, I mean... I mean, like, if we're going to just say, you know, like, chalk them up against each other, Spy was a funnier movie than... Than The Martian. Than The Martian. But also, you know, it's just kind of like a big old... It's always like a big fuck you when it comes to the Golden Globes. No one takes it, ever takes it seriously. Right, but it's one of those things where it's like the the studio is petitioning to put this in comedy Mm -hmm. just so they know that they'll win because if they stack up against... Uh, the Revenant yeah. in drama, they're not going to win. And they want to have to be able to say winner of a Golden yeah. Globe. There's also, as I said, precursors of the Oscars because they kind of have that Golden Globe under their belt. It might lead some of the voters for the Oscars to kind of lean in their camp a little Exactly. Bit. Just look at that and be like, oh, well, it did win a Golden Globe compared to X. Yeah. So I mean, like, it, it's very, very well known that, you know, a lot of, you know, Oscar voters don't watch all the movies that are being voted on. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, sometimes, the, like, this just kind of adds fuel to the fire and be like, hey, you know, this guy got a Golden Globe. This guy got a Golden Globe. Well, let's put it between these two actors. Who would we like? Because, like, who, who was better or who do we like better? Yeah. And that's always how it goes. It's kind of, like, also, you know, fuels the fact that the Golden Globes are kind of a joke. <laughs> a joke. So, it's a joke. Um, after that, we have... It's a joke. <laughs> After that, we have a uh, best actor, uh, motion picture drama. Uh, we have Brian Cranston and Trumbo, Leonardo DiCaprio and The Revenant, uh, Michael Fassbender and Steve Jobs, uh, Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Girl, and Will Smith in Concussion, which uh, Leo took it for yeah, The Revenant. That's um, like the second goal. So, like uh, last time, Leonardo DiCaprio was nominated for a Golden Globe. It was for actor and a. Uh, comedic role for The Wolf of Wall Street, which he won. Yeah. And he even made a joke about it when he went up there to go get it. He said, like, I'm glad everyone recognized my comedic my comedic talent or something <laughs> bullshit like that. And like, every, everyone laughed at it. And then, like... Obviously, being aware of the situation, right? Yeah. And he didn't even, like, hold it up either. He was kind of like, yeah, whatever. I have, like, a hundred of these. I, like, I have, a like, fucking I have like, 10 million of these. I have one, like, holding my toilet paper roll at home. You know, yeah, so... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, best actor, uh, best actor in uh, motion picture, uh, musical, or comedy: uh, Christian Bale in The Big Short, uh, Steve Carell in The Big Short, Matt Damon in The Martian, uh, Al Pacino in Danny Collins, and Mark Ruffalo in Infinity Polar Bear. Um, Matt Damon took that yeah. with The Martian. Um, once again, we, I don't think we need to revisit this. It's topic, just it's the same thing. Like, like, yeah, he has his moments of being comedic because it's a very dark situation and that's what the character does but it's not overtly a comedy so whatever um Next category, we have Best Actress, uh, Motion Picture Drama. We have uh, Kate Blanche and Carol, uh, Brie Larson and Broom, uh, Rooney Mara and Carol. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Sarosi Ronan in Brooklyn. Hmm. And uh, Elisa uh, Vikander. 
Alicia Vikander. Okay, I was close. Vikander. You, you got you got the hard part right. Yeah. <laughs> in the Danish Girl, mm-hmm. in which uh, Brie Larson took it for uh, Room. Yeah. Um, best actress in motion picture, musical, or comedy: uh, Jennifer Lawrence in Joy, Amy Schumer in Trainwreck, Melissa McCarthy in Spy, Maggie Smith in Lady in the Van, and Lily Tomlin in Grandma. Yeah. In which Jennifer Lawrence took it for Joy. Yeah. Um, you saw the whole thing with the interview thing, right? No. With her. Okay, so essentially there was a dude, French guy. Um, who was asking her questions and like she wouldn't really answer his questions. She would tell him like you can't like don't look at your phone when you're talking to me. Essentially, but like she was trying to make it a joke. Yeah. But I'm she she has her head so far up her own ass she can't like fathom the fact that maybe he put his notes and questions in the phone on his phone to ask her, but she's being a bitch the entire time and being a cunt. Yeah, I didn't see anything about that. Um, I think if anything, I think if anything, that just uh, shows that um, the foreign press just loves Jennifer Lawrence. I guess. You know? So. I don't really think she has much of a chance at the Oscars this year. What else do we have? Uh, best Supporting Actor, uh, Paul Dano in Love and Mercy. Dano. Dano. Fuck you. <laughs> Whatever. Idris Elba in Beasts of No Nation. Uh, Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies. Uh, Michael Shannon in 99 Homes. And Sylvester Stallone in Creed. Mm-hmm. In which uh, Sylvester Stallone got a Golden Globe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like the first award he's gotten in a while. That hasn't been a Razzie. That dude... Has a lot of Razzies. <laughs> like you listen, you remember me because you obviously listen to "Stop or My Grandma Will Shoot." Like how this or made. my mom will shoot. We all know anyone who listens to that. We all know how many fucking Stallone movies they covered in that fucking podcast. Yeah, he's won so many Razzies, so many. Uh, best supporting actress: uh, Jane Fonda in Youth, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee in The Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. uh, Helen Mirren in Trumbo. Uh, Alicia Vikander in Ex Machina and Kate Winslet in Steve Jobs. And who won that one? Uh, Kate Winslet. She was pretty good in that movie. Um, best director, I have uh, Todd Hayes for Carol. Uh, Inuritu. I think I said that right. Inuritu, yeah. Um, in The Revenant. Uh, You're Mexican, Joan. You should be able to like pronounce these Latin names just fine. That's no Mexican name, man. It's Spanish. I can say Gonzalez. I can say, Chavez. I can say, yeah, Chavez. I can say any of those easy ones. <laughs> um, you start adding all kinds of little squigglies and shit all over letters. Uh, game over. Count me out. It's like, what are these moon runes? I don't fucking understand. <laughs> Um, Tom McCarthy uh, in Spotlight, George Miller in Mad Max, and Ridley mm-hmm. Scott in The Martian, in which uh, Inuritu took that. Obviously. Uh, best screenplay, I have uh, the. Uh, I keep wanting to say The Room, but it's not The Room, it's just Room. Yeah. Because Tommy Wiseau poisoned their fucking <laughs> minds. <laughs> I mean, like, there's been so many jokes done about this. I it's mean, because it's because I want to say uh, best screenplay, uh, the room. Like, I'm saying it like, oh, this is it. But uh, whatever. In all honesty, when I first heard a room, I thought it was like, did they actually make a movie about? Did, 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 did uh, James Franco actually like do the movie about making 
about the making of the room? Because that'd be dope if we just call it room. That's ballsy as fuck. Mm. Um, so best screenplay, I have um, Room, I have Spotlight, The Big Short, Steve Jobs, and The Hateful Eight, in which uh, Steve Jobs took that that's, one. That's what I was figuring they would probably go for. Um, for best original score in a motion picture, I have uh, Carol, the Danish girl. Um, that sounds like one. That sounds like one movie. You Carol, say very, the girl. very quick, quickly. It's Carol. Uh, you know Carol, <laughs> uh, the, the Danish girl. Uh, the Hateful Eight, Steve Jobs, and uh, the Revenant, in which the Hateful Eight took that. Mm-hmm. And then um, for best original song. Uh, Love Me Like You Do in Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. One Kind of Love uh, in Love and Mercy. See You Again in Furious 7. Uh, Simple Sound number three in Youth. And Writing on the Wall in Spectre. Mm-hmm. In which, uh, Writing on the Wall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, if anything goes up against a James Bond song, it's probably not going to win unless it's a Disney song. Yeah. So that's usually how it goes. Um, for best animated film, uh, I have Shaun the Sheep, uh, the Peanuts movie, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, and uh, Anomalisa. I always and yeah, I have a hard time with yeah. that. Anomalisa. Yeah, I think that's it. But uh, Inside Out took that one. Mm-hmm. And finally, in movies, um, best foreign language film. Um, the Brand New Testament, The Club, The Fencer, Mustang, and Son of Saul, in which case Son of Saul took that. Okay, I haven't had the chance to see any of those foreign films. Um, yes, that's, that's all the uh, movie ones. Um, we talked about this essentially being like a precursor to the Oscars. Um, do you think the Golden Globes were more or less predictors of the Oscars this year? Um, yes, no? Meh, a, a, a little. Um, I kind of think they gave some out to ones just just on name alone, because that's kind of what the Oscars is. I mean, like, like Jennifer Lawrence is a big one, um, with the amount of performances that are stacked up against hers in a movie that's lackluster at best. Yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, it's hard to think that she actually has a chance to win for this year. And also the fact that there's been, you know, there, there's several movies out there right now that should probably have been nominated for some stuff, but then obviously didn't. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it almost feels like this year's the constellation prize in a way. Yeah, you know, like, like here's some stuff for you. Sorry. You didn't get nominated at all. Or sorry. You're not going to win, you know, along those lines. But I, the foreign press association, everything you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. So like, I mean, like it, it's just a precursor. It's just like one of those things. Like you know, the Weinstein's paid so much money to give, so give them a, a handful of Golden Globes, so that way maybe their stuff gets you know a little, a little bit more you know play for the Oscars and shit. You know, and that's usually how it goes. At least that's my feelings towards it. Yeah, um, I really don't want to go through all this uh, TV stuff. Just name we don't talk about. Um, just name the winners. Um, I can do that, I guess. Um, so, uh, drama series, the winner for that was Mr. Robot. Okay. Uh, a lot of hype around that show. So yeah, a lot of people love it. Sense. I haven't um, bothered to watch it. It beat out uh, Game of Thrones, though. So that's Game true. of Thrones has won like a couple times, though, I think. So, they don't really have anything to worry about. Um, for drama, uh, actor, 
John Hamm for Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, for drama actress, we have Taraji P. Henson in Empire. Sorry if I butchered that name. Yeah, no one cares. Um, <laughs> comedy or musical series, and this is a lot of funny. It is very, very funny because um, there's so much shit about this. Uh, comedy or musical series, the winner in that was Mozart in the Jungle, which is a Amazon Prime exclusive show mm-hmm. that, according to everybody on the internet, nobody has watched. Really? <laughs> Everybody's like, why the fuck did this win? Nobody even knows this exists. I had no idea. I was going to say, what is is this like the, yeah cuz it was um a lot of people are like yeah this is this is the best show that nobody has ever watched yeah i guess the same thing we said for like arrested development but at least some people have seen that yeah i mean you th- you th- you uh, see some of the other things on here though um silicon valley silicon valley oh my god uh, that's such a good show transparent which I heard at that's the very solid. least you've like you know heard about uh, Orange is the New Black. I actually haven't bothered to watch that. And then uh, Veep. I heard Veep's pretty good. So with some of those other things in there, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, it's like seriously. Obviously, these are foreign people who just looked at the list, saw Mozart, and went bloop. Yeah, probably that's more than exactly <laughs> what happens. Like, yeah, all right, Mozart. And, uh, like comedy or musical series actor. Um, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal in Mozart in the Jungle. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, for a comedy or musical series actress, uh, you have Rachel Bloom in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, TV movie or miniseries. Um, winner of that would be Wolf Hall. For a second, I thought it said Wolf Hale, and I was like, that would be weird. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that is. Um TV or movie series actor, uh, you have Oscar Isaac in Show Me a Hero. Uh, I like Oscar Isaac. Yeah. TV, movie, or miniseries, uh, I'm assuming this was supposed to be, it says actor, but I'm assuming it's uh, actress uh, Lady Gaga in American Horror Story Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, series, TV, movie, or miniseries sporting actor, um, Christian Slater and Mr. Robot. And I forgot he's in that. Finally, series, TV, movie, or miniseries supporting actress uh, Mara Tierney in The Affair. Okay. Um, I don't really watch a whole lot of TV. Yeah, I mean, I think the only reason I, I wanted to talk about the TV ones at all was for that Mozart in the Jungle thing yeah. about everybody being like, "What the fuck is this?" So, so who who was uh, he up against for like the guy from Mozart in the Jungle? Who else was he up against for comedy or musical? Let series? me uh, kind of close the thing here real quick. Let me gonna bring it back up. Let's see if you will open. Because I kind of want to see if anyone. So, uh, in his same category, uh, Aziz Ansari in Master of None, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Lowe in The Grinder, uh, Patrick Stewart in Blunt Talk, and Jeffrey Tambor in Transparent. Okay. I was kind of hoping someone from Silicon Valley would be in there, like TJ Miller. Have you, have you actually have you, have you watched Silicon Valley? Yeah. I love that show. I think it's pretty it's funny. So good. Yeah. I think the char- all the characters in it have like their own like sense of humor, and it's just like I think it's just one of the best TV shows out there right now. It's awesome. Kind of hoping like TJ Miller would get some love though, like from that in some way. 
because he's def- he's hands down the funniest thing and like funniest guy in that show. Yeah. Um, that's it with the Golden Globes. Um, anything that you feel is an injustice, Joey? No. Mainly because you don't care about the Golden Globes. I don't care about the Golden Globes. <laughs> like, um, I, I, I watched it a little bit, uh, enough for the whole Denzel Washington tribute thing, whatever, yeah. uh, presented to him by uh, Tom Hanks. Um, so I'm about to say something that should hopefully rile up some people. Uh, I think Tom Hanks is by far uh, a better actor than Denzel Washington could ever hope to be. <laughs> And I, I find it kind of funny that you give this, like, you have a better actor than the actor you're honoring. Give him the award. That ultimately doesn't mean shit because it's a Golden Globe. Right. You know, personally. I mean, it makes life. sense. I would want... I'm assuming... Like, I think they're buddies, though. Yeah. I, because, especially, like, from, like, kind of way back in their, like, their early, early days of, like, them kind of being known as, like, good dramatic actors from Philadelphia, which is, you know, a fantastic movie. If you have a yeah. chance to watch it, it's great. Um, I think, I'm assuming it's spawning from that, because I'm assuming they're buddies from that. Yeah. I would hope so. But even then, I feel like... Are they supposed to have a worse, uh, an actor that is worse than him? Give him the award. Typically, it kind of it kind of works out that way. Sometimes you would think, or at least somebody on par with him. But Tom, like they usually say, someone on par with him. Think about think about. I think that Tom Hanks is by far hands down better than him. Think about you being in high school, and you make the honor roll. Would you want a teacher or the principal to hand you that? You know, it doesn't matter because that like, thing, or would they, or would you want like some dumbass kid to? Kind of want some dumbass kid to hand you it to go, me. You're smarter than me. I kind of wanted to like make some poor dumbass kid to like hand me like, yeah, that's right. Like honor roll, bitch. Look at that three point five. <laughs> Look at it. Smell it, and then I'll just like rub it in their face. And they kind of like watch them slowly deteriorate on the inside. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off that shit. Um, I think that's it. Anything else um, you can think of? Um, we need to talk about any other big news happened that you can think of we didn't mention. I can't think of anything at the moment. All right. Well, um, we'll get out of here then. We'll uh, quit chatting up your ear. Um, Go to, uh, go to Facebook. Go to like the Facebook page. I swear, if you guys like the Facebook page, I will post more often on the Facebook page. We'll give you something. Joey will, right? Joey will give you something if he's Got so mad duckets, yo. Um, I'll be willing to go and fucking buy something for this bullshit. A little Fandango gift card. Have a Fandango gift card. <laughs> That's probably been used already. Um... If you, so guys, go, if you guys like Olive Garden, I got a $15 gift card for Olive Garden. <laughs> enough to get you nothing. It's just like, but you also have to take me to Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> um, so go to like the Facebook page. Um, go and subscribe to the uh, RSS feed mm-hmm. on Stitcher, on iTunes, uh, even directly from the website. Um, if you're on iTunes, go ahead and rate us. Um, Tell us how much we suck. Yeah, at the, at the very least do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see a half star by the end of today. Um, other than that, uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned next week. We will talk about uh, the Oscar nominations 
going to talk about um, hashtag Oscar so white. So you know, spoiler alert. Fuck that bullshit. I think it's one of the most stupidest fucking hashtags on the fucking well, don't, internet. Well, don't 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 give them reason not to listen to next week's podcast. Okay, dis- disregard all that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, make sure you tune in next week for that. Um, but until then, we will uh, we'll see you guys later.